Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, as always, and today we're going to be talking about three different things. Two uh, video game related stories, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about my experience. I went and saw Metallica in Madison on Sunday night. Uh, but uh, the the couple of the stories we're going to talk about, so first, uh, like I said, we're going to, or not first, but we're going to talk about Metallica at the end. We'll have our game of the week, which I have picked out already uh, for the first time, finally thought of it ahead of time. Uh, we're going to talk about the controversy surrounding Spider-Man, uh, the new game that's coming out this Friday where apparently some of the graphics were downgraded. So we're going to talk about that. And then lastly, we're going to have a, a little bit of a follow-up to last week's story um, about the Madden shooting, unfortunately, that, that occurred. Um, but it's not just that. Now one of the victims is basically suing EA and suing uh, the venue and all these other sort of things. So we're going to talk about that as well. And, um, yeah, and then, like I said, we have our Game of the Week, we have Metallica Concert, we have the Madden shooting follow-up about being uh, EA being sued, and then we're going to talk about Spider-Man. So, to begin, uh, we're going to go right into, let's see here, let's start with the Sp- Spidey Gate. Um, so, let's bring this up here, hold on one second. All right. So we're going to begin, finally, now that I'm on the right page here, we're going to talk about Puddlegate. Um, so we're talking about the new Spider-Man game coming out for PS4, comes out this Friday, looks incredible. Uh, it is one of the most anticipated games on my list, and I I, it, I think it could be game of the year. Like, it's, it's, a, it's an early contender for me. Obviously, I haven't played it yet. I'm waiting to see if it's going to be... You know, right now, God of War is up there, and we have Red Dead Redemption 2, and uh, Dragon Quest Eleven actually comes out today, um, not to mention Fallout 76, and yada, yada. So there's a lot of, a lot of options here. However, th- uh, I'm very much looking forward to Spider-Man. If you've watched any of the videos, you've seen any of the pictures, it just looks incredible. And it's, uh, it, it's going to be a game changer, I think. And the company making it, Insomniac, they know what they're doing. Uh, the, these guys have made big games before. They're a AAA dev. They know how to handle it. But something interesting came out. So I'm going to flip over to a picture here. So uh, over the course, like this was a few days ago, basically, pictures started showing up about uh, where someone who was playing the like latest build or the most recent release or whatever shared a screenshot comparing uh, an area from the trailer also then comparing an area to like the originally released um, footage to where they were at the game right now during the exact same part of the game. So if you look here, it looks like Spider-Man just landed. He just landed. He's in the same pose. You see over here is the, the pallet and the pallet and the pipe. So like this, this is literally the exact same spot. And there's nothing wrong with that. So here we go. Um, however, people look at these pictures, and I'm going to talk about this picture too because besides the obvious crap quality but if you look at this if you look in the top picture there's all these puddles up here all these beautifully reflected shiny puddles all this water and puddles down here as well and when you come down to the final build which is on the bottom you notice that the puddles are gone like there's no puddle back here like they've cleaned up most of the water here they removed the puddle off to the side here and here um and so that was it. So someone looked at this and said, oh, wow. you know." And then they immediately looked at this and said, well, what a downgrade this is. And first I have to say, whoever put this picture montage together clearly used uh, up front on the top is much cl- clearly a lower res picture. So like, first of all, we're not even in the same ballpark of same resolution of picture. But 
you know, we you can look past that. Like you can see the difference between something that's blurry and something that's lower quality. Well, you'd like to think actually, except that this whole thing has somehow become some sort of stupid controversy, which is just mind-numbing to me that people won't shut up about it um but anyway and of course what am i helping i guess i'm talking about it too but i'm also kind of here to talk a little bit about the the fake outrage about it and to talk about where it's coming from so hopefully i'm adding something to that conversation and i'm not just here just to complain about something just to complain about it so uh let's talk about these puddles so um it's already been addressed let's see here i'm gonna flip over to this um right here so it's already been addressed as to what happened because someone obviously tweeted at insomniac games and said hey what's up with the downgrade to which insomniac games replied it's just a change in puddle size there's no downgrade at all uh he went on to say in his own tweet the puddles being moved had nothing to do with performance so someone uh then he said then why remove them pretty sure it was a design slash art slash usability reason thing quote definitely wasn't performance as we have spots with tons of puddles in the game with no performance issues and so that was one of the things people were complaining about as well was that it well did they take the puddles away because of bad performance or because it was going to slow the game down right which the dev completely has said not and again i understand that this is a developer this is a community manager you know this is a guy in who works for the company that's making the game of course he's not going to come out and say if it's based on graphical and performance issues he's not going to come out and say that but you know it <laughs> this company uh, over the years has produced incredible quality games so i think they get a little bit of the benefit of the doubt when it comes to this so again we're gonna go back to the picture and like i said it's not that it's not that there isn't a difference between the two but it's just like look what the actual differences are so if you look up here again uh you know, there's puddles everywhere, which my understanding too is that there's a lot of interactive environmental sort of things. Like you can kick over like an electrical something or hit an electrical box. It'll shock the water and kill guys. Well, that might've been partly why they removed the puddles here. If there's something like that in this instance, right? Because if you look around and there's actually like, I think over here, it says something like danger, high voltage or something like that, you know? And so basically the idea was, well, the player hasn't have anywhere to stand if they're going to get shocked the whole time, or you might be able to shock all the enemies in one attack and it does make it very challenging you know so to them it was a design thing and artistically speaking it wasn't a you know it wasn't a choice based on on uh, performance so then they they go on to also add later and unfortunately i couldn't find the the direct quote of this but i remember reading something as well that said something about there's basically also an option in the game for like shininess right so it's the ability to adjust the amount of like reflectiveness and things like that on certain objects well they had turned that down in certain settings because it was making spider-man's suit look shiny and they didn't want to give the impression that spider-man's suit was shiny they wanted to make it look a little more real like like a elastic you know latex cloth sort of material so that was another thing that they had said so basically they came out and they refuted all this stuff um but i think well, we have to talk about a little bit more. Well, there's a couple things. So, okay, so let me get to this first. So this headline, first of all, this is a Kotaku headline. This is kind of the one that, that busted it open, like the, the coming back uh, against it, um, was that this was the headline. People who haven't played Spider-Man are mad that the developers took out a puddle. And I said this on Twitter the other day too, That that's really disingenuous, okay? That's not what people are worried about. That's not what people are complaining about. And I understand that that was like their, like their, they're grabbing headline like they, they they were trying to like he was trying to be funny and he was trying to like you know make a joke out of this which i totally understand and that's fine but like that's not what makes people mad in fact this upsets people more when you 
take away something that they do feel passionate about. It's better to try to educate them than it is to try to almost poke fun at them for believing something they do. And there are a lot of people out there who don't take this stuff as seriously as we do. They aren't reading every blog and they aren't, you know, and they're not checking every game site every day looking for whatever. It's they just want to they, they see what they see on the news. They casually look into it and they just want to play a game when it comes out, you know. So we can't give them a hard time if they're not as informed maybe as somebody else. Have they ever made a game? Probably not. So are they going to be, you know, are they going to understand how game design techniques work or how understanding how putting a level together works or even understand something as simple as one of the things the dev said was they changed the position of the sun during that scene of the game you know, as just a design issue and it changed completely the look and the lighting of the area because they took their major light source, the sun, and they moved it. Um, but again, that's not that's not a bad thing that people were upset when they saw this because initially it was a little jarring. I won't lie. Like when you look at the two of equal quality images at first, you're like, whoa, 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 like there is something wrong with this bottom issue. But when you think that it's because that lack of shininess, which if you look again, like these puddles were causing this awesome reflection here, like and it just made you go, wow, this is incredible, like. You know, and you saw so much of it that it just it looked amazing. And you look down here like, well, this looks kind of dull and drab compared to this spot down here, which is the puddle. But again, that's your brain essentially tricking you into thinking like shiny is good. And I remember a story when when Spider-Man 3 first came out. It's funny that it's also Spider-Man. But when Spider-Man 3 came out for the PS2 and for the PS3, it was a dual launch cross platform. And I remember that game came out and I bought it on PS3 because I thought to myself, why would you buy it on PS2 and have it on PS3, the far superior console, like it'll have better graphics, everything. And I remember looking at those two games and thinking to myself, like I had this moment where I was beating up a box. And I was like, oh, this game looks so good. And I was beating up a crate or something. And then I realized that it wasn't that the game looked much better. Besides the fact that it was at a higher resolution through HDMI, besides that, it was just shinier. Peter Parker's suit was shiny. And, and I noticed that. And as I was walking around the, the game, it was just, it was like gleaming and it was shiny everywhere. And I thought, well, this is kind of stupid. Like my brain is tricked into thinking it's better looking because it's shinier. And just, just, just something to think about, you know? And again, I'm not disappointed in anybody who looked at this and thought, oh my God, it's a downgrade. Because on the surface, I can see where people uh, would think that. And, I, and I'm totally okay because there have been plenty of companies who have pulled stuff like this. They have this amazing E3 demo all this other stuff and then the actual game comes out and it doesn't look similar to that in fact uh killzone 2 is one of the first ones that comes to mind like like killzone 2 they showed this incredible real-time game footage at e3 where it looked like a movie playing out like a cg movie and the game didn't look like that game still looked incredible game didn't look like that though and then of course you have like the aliens colonial marines debacle and you've had it where companies have lied to us about the product that's coming out and i understand that some of us are obviously like worried about that so fast forward to this game though and this is such a small thing in comparison with those you know even if this was a downgrade which i honestly looking and again i understand that these pictures aren't like they're not the same resolution so you can't get hung up on one's blurry on the top and one's not but when you look at these two pictures it's not like <laughs> that's not gonna make or break the game having this scene look differently in fact, like you have, this is going to be a game just like many other open world games where you're going to have to see the game in action to really say for sure. And so I hope it's good. And I'll be the first one to say it. If I play that game on Friday and it's not good, I'll be the first one to, to pick up a pitchfork and be like, hey, why did you guys make this awesome trailer, make the game look incredible, and then made a crappy game? I'll be the first one to come up for that because we should call them out on that. However, that's not what happened here. 
And one, it's not even a downgrade at all. It's lighting changes along with some level design changes, reducing puddle. And that's it. And the fact that we're even talking about a puddle, again, it's not the whole point. You know, the puddle was the uh, was the straw, you know, but it brought up a bigger conversation of our developers, you know, showing things off to us that aren't representative of the final product. And I think, you know, because there's been other controversies like this in the past too. Witcher 3 was a really good example. Witcher 3 had the same sort of issue come up. People were saying, you know, in the trailer and this, it looked incredible. And then in the game, it didn't look as good. And I think it's fair to say that a trailer, just like anything else that's advertising, is going to be doctored up. Every magazine you see in a photo has is airbrushed and photoshopped. Like they're trying to represent their product, like like they're putting makeup on it, right? You know, <laughs> what does it say? Like you can't put lipstick on a pig. Um, you know, but like you can you can still you know take a good looking picture and enhance it. And I think you know when you see trailers and you see like E three stuff, especially they've been working for months just to make that look its best. Now, does that mean it should be faked? No, and companies have done that, and that's why we have a right to be skeptical. But when you look at stuff like this, I mean, it's this is a this is a nothing, you know. This, this and this is what frustrates me is how much, like, anger this generates, you know. And you start looking on Twitter, and you just see a bunch of stupid people who start saying, you know, oh, graphical downgrades, forget it. I'm, I'm not canceling my pre-order, you know. And you're like, okay, I mean. Even if this was a graphical downgrade, you'd miss out on potentially one of the best games of the year just because it looked a little different than it did. And I'm not talking like, we're not saying that the top picture was original and then down here is, you know, like the meme that was passing around this weekend was like Spider-Man for the 2600, you know? It's not like it's a lie, you know? And so it's just kind of mind-boggling to me. Um, and then you also have, and and this, this is a, a part of, I guess, everything really in our culture right now is this tribalism, but you have this... Xbox versus Sony like console war, which is just one of the, in my opinion, one of the most moronic things in the entire planet. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a preference. And if you prefer Xbox, that's awesome. Uh, if you're happy with it, I'm happy for you. And if you prefer PlayStation, then I'm happy for you as well. But this tribalism of, well, I like the Xbox. And if you don't have an Xbox and you have a PlayStation, then you're wrong or you're dumb or we're not on the same team. You know, we're, we're all on the same team because we want companies to make good games. I own an Xbox. I own a switch. I have, you know, I, I have almost every console ever made because I want to play the best versions of the best games I can play. And if that means I'm going to pick up, uh, for instance, um, Genma Animusha on original Xbox instead of the PS2 version, then that's what I'm going to do. Uh, if it means that I'm going to, you know, play earthworm Jim on the Genesis, cause I like the sound better then that's what I'm going to do. And, uh, you know, and so it, it's like, like, again, this, this, this fanboy, like, like stupid war going on about, you know, there's one side versus the other. I mean, it goes all the way back when I remember when I was riding the bus to school, it was Ford versus Chevy, you know, and it was, and then it was, you know, now it's, it, then it was Nintendo versus Sega. And now it's PlayStation versus Xbox versus Nintendo. I don't want to forget about them. And so you have all this stuff, you know, and, and it, it's just kind of stupid to me because a lot of this was drudged up by these like upset Xbox fans and PC gamers who don't have access to this game. Now in a perfect world, I wish that they could play it. I'm surprised that Sony doesn't release more of their games on PC, like the Sony in-house studio games, but they don't because they want people to buy their consoles. And then when they own their consoles, they'll buy more games. Like it's, it's business. It makes sense. It's like the whole cross play argument. You know, it's, it, it makes sense from a business perspective. It's not necessarily consumer friendly, but you have to understand they weigh out all these costs. They say, well, if we make a PC version and we sell 
100,000 copies, is that going to make us more money than we'll make if we sell, you know, 100,000 more PS4s because the PC people that were going to buy the game had to buy a PS4 to play it, right? Again, those numbers, I pulled them out of my ass, but I'm just saying that that's, these conversations happen. Like there's, there's financial and marketing people that their whole job all day is to think of scenarios like this. And that's fine. And that's how it works. And again, not, it's not pro-consumer, it's anti-consumer, but it's how business works. They're not in business to make us happy. They're in business to make money. Now, the smart way to make money is typically to keep us happy and they have to strike that balance in there because they can't just give us everything we want at for free or they wouldn't make any money and then they couldn't make us stuff and then we wouldn't have anything and yada, yada, yada. And that's how the world works. Shouldn't have to explain this to anybody. But apparently I do because it just seems weird to me that that this became such a big thing. So most of it sparked by people who can't play the game. And so you see people who are like, oh, I'm not buying Spider-Man because it's downgrade. You probably weren't going to buy Spider-Man anyway. So it's really disingenuous to, to pretend like, you know, this and that. Um, it's kind of like the, uh, the, the, the Kaepernick thing, you know, he signed this deal with Nike and now people are going around like, I'll never buy Nike products again. Like, do we know, do they even own any Nike products? <laughs> do we care? I mean, who cares? It's fine. Um, and, uh, so, that's Puddlegate as it is. And then uh, there was a, a funny little thing I did want to play here. So this is uh, this was at PAX. Um, they were talking about Anthem. Bioware was talking about Anthem. And uh, and it was funny. We have a little bit of sound recording here. So I want to uh, <laughs> I want to play this for you. This was their uh, this was their take on Puddlegate. You'll see that there's a puddle right in the ground, right in the middle of that. <laughs> so. So before we move on, there's a 98% chance that that puddle is going to be changed, moved, reduced. Don't touch my puddle. So now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about what we see. All right. So that was funny because obviously we were talking about how you know, and, and, and here's actually another thing that goes along a little bit with the story I was talking about, too, is that when that when that first came out, people were spinning that story as Bioware takes a shot at Sony about Spider-Man. They're like, wait, what? No, that's not at all what happened. Like, come on. What what is going on lately with this? Like, everything's got to be controversy. Everything's got to be drama. Like, pull out of that. Like, social media is really getting mental lately. It just feels like everyone's got to be outraged about something. Or you have to be upset about something. You can't just be happy or you have to be complaining about something, you know? And it's like you have a platform, you know, and your platform it reflects who you are. And, and if all you do is complain all the time, I mean, it, it might be worth looking into what, what you got going on there. But again, that was all I was going to talk about with uh, with Puddlegate, Spider Puddlegate. Um, I think the game's going to be incredible. It comes out Friday. Um, I'm going to play it all day Sunday, all day Sunday. And I cannot wait. It, it has been really high on my list. I, I actually, I'm, I'm a Spider-Man guy through and through. My very first comic book was a Spider-Man comic book. Um, and uh, it was, uh, I don't remember the number of the issue now I'm spacing, but it was the it was number two of the Maximum Carnage uh, crossover event. Um, and, and it was just like, I remember my local grocery store, our local IGA, they had they had a subscription to that. I, I want to say it was Amazing Spider-Man, if I'm thinking correctly. And so Amazing Spider-Man, and then, but they only got Amazing Spider-Man. So I remember when the next issue came out, like the next month, I was so excited. And I'm like, wait a minute, why is it like Maximum Carnage number five? I'm like, I read number two. Like I need the rest of this story, you know? And, and I lived in a really small town. I didn't have access to a lot of comic books and stuff. So 
Uh, but you know, so Spider-Man always holds a special place. He's one of my favorite superheroes like him, Spider-Man and the X-Men are my two favorites, Wolverine specifically in the X-Men. So like Spider-Man and Wolverine, like it just, ah, it just, they've always, they get a special place, you know? And so to see like, you know, one of my favorite Spider-Man games of all time is Spider-Man two for the PS2 or the original Xbox or the GameCube as well. And, uh, and probably PC, whatever. And it's, but it's an incredible game. And it was just this big open cityscape. Like they did what no other Spider-Man game was able to do before it. It gave us this open world that we wanted. Uh, and it was technically based off the movie, but they didn't let that like ruin the game. They, they really kept it all together. And so this looks to finally be the true sequel to that game that we've always been waiting for since Spider-Man three was not it. And there have been some really good Spider-Man games besides that. Like web of shadows is pretty good. Shattered dimensions. Like there are good Spider-Man games, but not, they started getting more linear and they started getting away from made Spider-Man 2 so great, which was also just random crimes happening around the city. Like I want this to be like Arkham Knight, except even better than that, where Arkham Knight didn't really have a lot of civilians on the street. This is going to have a lot of civilians and I want random robberies and everyone jokes about the meme from Spider-Man 2 with the kid's balloon. You're like my balloon, like, and having to rescue the balloon and give it back to the kid. But that random missions like that is what Spider-Man would be doing. You'd be flying through the city and then all of a sudden a car chase is going on. Like that's what we want. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this game delivers on that experience. And then secondly, um, we have to talk about a topic that again, not really a big fan of covering, unfortunately, but it is, you know, it is something important to talk about. And we, it's a follow-up to a story we already did. So, uh, we talked about it, obviously, if you haven't heard, I don't know, maybe you've been living under a rock, but uh, there was a shooting in Jacksonville, Florida that, uh, at a Madden tournament where two people lost their lives and then the, the killer shot himself after that. And so we talked about that. Obviously, we talked about the games causing violence debate. We talked about that. We talked about politicians swooping in. We talked about um, anti-gun people swooping in. We talked about everybody swooping in and making everything political right away. Um and then I saw this story, and I'm just going to be honest, this was Friday morning, and this was on Kotaku. Jason Schreier had the initial uh, breaking of this story. And I'll be honest, this made me really mad. And I, and I don't know why. Like, I'm going to try to talk through my f feelings here as we uh, as we go. But uh, So f the headline is, the Jacksonville shooting victim, a, sh a Jacksonville shooting victim sues EA and the venue at which it took place. So I'm just going to read the article and then we'll talk about it. So Jacob Mitich, a survivor at the deadly shooting at a Madden tournament last weekend that took two lives, is suing both the venue and Madden publisher Electronic Arts for negligence, according to a complaint filed last night. Mitich, who was shot twice, is seeking damages from eight defendants, including EA, the Jacksonville Landing Mall, the Pizza Parlor Chicago Pizza, where the tournament took place. The suit alleges that the venue was unsafe and that EA failed to provide a safe and secure environment for the participants, among other complaints. Quote, like many of his friends, Jacob Minich traveled to Jacksonville last weekend to do what he loved, said James Young, an attorney with the personal injury law firm Morgan & Morgan, in a statement accompanying the lawsuit. He trusted the event hosts and organizers and believed that he was walking into a safe space. That trust was shattered when shots rang out in an overcrowded, since-shut-down, non-permitted space, combined with an alleged abject failure to provide adequate security. The result was tragic. We are bringing this lawsuit to hold those responsible accountable and to ensure that gamers like Jake are able to get together to pursue their, uh, pursue their passion without having to fear for their lives. Uh, end quote. Um, 
And then uh, Kotaku reached out to EA, who, who, who said, quote, at this time, we are fully focused on supporting the victims and all of those affected by this tragic event, end quote, which if you had not heard, EA is donating one million dollars to the funds uh, for the families and for the funeral funds and, and for the victims of this. So if you hadn't heard, that's an incredible thing for them to do. And I'm very proud of EA for doing that. You know, when a company does something bad, we should call them out on it. But when they do something good, you have to recognize that as well. I'm a firm believer in that. And you could argue, oh, it's just a PR stunt, whatever. Hey, it's a million bucks. And they didn't have to do it. Um, so um, then they, they go on to say, this is one of a number of developments that have unfolded over the past week as the gaming world tries to piece together what happened during Sunday's deadly massacre. Yeah, that was last Sunday already, a week ago Sunday already. Hmm. Um, on Monday, the Daily News reported on Ronald Casey, a Madden player who shielded other players during the attack. On Wednesday, EA said it would donate $1 million to the victims of the shooting, not long after canceling the Madden qualified tournaments that had been scheduled for the coming weeks. So EA had stopped the next tournaments and donated $1 million. Uh, in the lawsuit, Middick's attorney describes Jacksonville landing as a, quote, a hub of dangerous, violent, and too often deadly activity, end quote, citing stabbings and shooting incidents that have happened at the mall over the past few years. The suit also details Middick's harrowing experience during the shooting on Sunday, describing how while fleeing the scene, he felt pain in his back and leg. The last, quote, the last thing plaintiff recalls from this ordeal was the genuine belief that he was going to die, end quote. Uh, and it says the lawsuit does not specify an amount that Minute is seeking in damages. So that's the story. That's the that's the article. Um, that was it's a good article by Jason Schreier. I know a lot of people people give Kotaku a hard time, but like they get stuff like this and they do really good work. People that do really good work. Um, so like I said earlier, I, I just this really makes me mad um, because I and I know we don't know everything yet, but like my gut just tells me right off the bat that it just feels like somebody who's trying to capitalize off of a tragic event where people lost their lives. Now, this person who is suing. Um, he, uh, now actually, what was it on this one that said, I think there's others. Um, I want to say there was someone else that said other victims are expected to follow suit and file as well. Um, but we had it, he was shot. Okay. So Jacob Mittich, he was shot twice. So in the leg and in the back, that's a big deal. And I'm sure that is very terrifying. And I'm sure he has a lot of mental stress. He will have um, PTSD after something like this. I'm sure he'll need therapy to help get over it, um, to make him feel whole again, to not feel afraid. He might even have a hard time. I know it sounds really dumb, but he might have a hard time playing Madden if he associates it with negative feelings, whatever. You know, this is a tragedy, and he suffered in that tragedy. There's no question about that. The idea, though, that he's suing basically everybody under the sun who had anything to do with the tournament is frustrating to me. So if you're going to sue EA, here's what I also don't understand. I know I'm not a lawyer, so like, if you are a lawyer and you want to leave it in the comments and like tell me more about it, that'd be great. But what I don't understand is how you can accuse everybody. Like If you were blaming EA for saying that they didn't have good enough security at their Madden tournaments, then how is it the pizzeria's fault if EA didn't provide them with that? right? Or how is it... you know? who else is getting sued here? How is it the Jackson landing mall, which is a mall that has a bunch of stores in it who didn't have anything to do with the event that, that like the pizza place hosted the event for EA. The landing is just the place where they pay rent to be. How are they responsible? And so it feels like to me, and I say this as a small business owner, like this is my nightmare that something would happen. What if something happened at a tournament that I was a sponsor at 
and all I did was give them money for prize money, would I be included in this in being sued because like I put money for the prize? Was I supposed to provide security? Um, it's crazy. And um, I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast last week, but I was actually, I don't know if I did. I was on the news talking about this. Um, and uh, I talked a little bit about it. Uh, they, they came to the store and they wanted some, you know, they wanted someone to talk about it who had run tournaments and who had been a part of the community. And, you know, I talked a little bit about how I've done, I've probably hosted, I've, I've hosted, I've sponsored probably 30 tournaments, you know, in my, in my life. Um, I've run some of them. I've just hosted some, some I've just been an advertiser for, but 30 to 40 tournaments probably. And never once have I ever had anyone need security at one of those venues. Um, I went to uh, UFGT, uh, which is a huge fighting game down in Chicago, a tournament in Chicago, fighting game tournament. And you had a thousand people there competing. There was not a single security check on anything. So the the expectation that EA needed to have security there when they've never had a cause for security any other time, I think is a little unfair. Now, as we will find out, as oftentimes in the U.S. legal system, it's not about what's fair. It's about, you know, we're a very litigious country, which basically just means we sue people a lot. And that seems to be the only avenue for something like this is to sue them. Now, if he, if it comes out that he's suing them for medical bills, therapy bills, and maybe some pain and suffering, I'm actually okay with that, you know, but I want to see what this number is. And I know you can't just put a number on like how much you hurt and how much pain you went through, but it, you know, I mean, (laughs) I, I just, I feel like this, this, it felt like being announced so soon it's just capitalizing on the tragedy it's it's like a week it's only been a week actually when this article came out it hadn't even been a week since the event occurred and so it's just it's frustrating to me you know and it's it's not that there's anything wrong with him wanting to have medical bills paid for and all that stuff i believe that i really believe that ea and this bar should probably cover those and you know they have insurance to do that if someone slips and falls in my store i have insurance to cover that you know that that's that's why insurance exists but I just feel like if, if he's going, I, I, I'll tell you, if he comes out and it's something like he's suing for like $1 million or $2 million in damages, I'm going to be so irritated even more than I already am. And it, and it just seems like this is a tragedy. Like, And I hate when people want to capitalize on a tragedy. And so are all the people there going to do the same thing? If everybody sues this little pizza place, it's probably going to go out of business. You know, That business owner might lose his business because someone chose to grab a gun and shoot up a tournament that he wasn't, it wasn't even his tournament. You know, like he was hosting it, you know, they weren't running it. You know, I, I don't know. Are they going to, are they going to sue the people running the stream? You know, I'm surprised we haven't heard an article of someone saying, well, you know, I was, I was, I was, um, stressed out by having to watch that on live stream. So I'm going to sue Twitch and I'm going to sue the venue because I was just here to watch Madden, not to watch someone, you know, to hear someone get killed on stream or something, you know? And, and it's, I'm, I'm sure that's coming. And hopefully I didn't just give someone the idea because it's stupid and don't do it. But so this whole idea, it just was really frustrating to me, quite honestly. And, and, and I, I want them to be taken care of and I'm glad that EA is doing things and EA is kicking in money and they're already trying to like be proactive about it. And maybe they are doing it because they feared that lawsuits were coming. And maybe that's why this lawsuit came so fast because EA had already announced it was donating money. And and here's the messed up part. So if EA donates money to the families, a lawyer could probably argue in court that that's EA assuming responsibility for it by donating money. And so 
that that's them being guilty. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how EA could have done anything differently. Um, who, who is it up to, you know, in these contracts, who's it up to, who is it up to the venue to provide security? Is it up to EA? Is it up to the mall? Like, you know, does the mall have security and maybe the pizza place thought mall security would, would handle it, you know? And the other, the only thing, and the last thing I'm going to say is that, uh, the, the thing that frustrated me probably the most was that in the lawsuit, Middick's attorney describes Jacksonville landing as quote, a hub of dangerous, violent, and too often deadly activity end quote, citing stabbing and shooting incidents that happened at the mall over the past few years. So this is where I, I feel like you have to take a little bit of personal responsibility as well and say, okay, if, if they knew that, which obviously they found it after the fact, but if you're going to go out of town to a tournament, and again, this is broad daylight, like on a Saturday, was it, or a Sunday? It was a Sunday. So like this is broad daylight during the day. You're not expecting that sort of stuff, obviously. But he took the responsibility to go there. If, if it was such a hive of scum and villainy you know if it was such if it was such a dump with so much crime why would you go there you had to take a little bit of personal responsibility and say that you put yourself in that position because you were there now before anyone gets all crazy that's like me saying that i'm blaming the victim i'm not but to sue afterwards and then to claim that that place is known for being dangerous and then you went there and something bad happened, then you're basically admitting that you knew it was dangerous, but you went anyway. So there has to be a little bit of personal responsibility there. I'm not victim blaming. I'm not saying it's his fault he got shot, you know, so don't take it there. Don't take it there. Um, but it's it. there has to be a little bit of personal responsibility, you know. And again, in the lawsuit, they're specifically claiming that's why I'm saying it. They're claiming that EA should have known to have security there or the pizza place should have known to have security there because it was known that it was a place where violent crimes occur. But if it was a known place where violent crimes occur, you know, shouldn't he have, you know, he, he still went knowing that. And then you could argue maybe he didn't know that, but again, what, when does it come down to our personal responsibility? Like, yes, we should feel safe anywhere you go out in public. I do believe that. Um, but if for him to be able to blame them and sue them when he went to this place, it's still kind of, you know, I don't know. I don't know. And maybe I am victim blaming and I don't mean to like when I think in my head, I'm not, I just don't, I, there has to be personal responsibility for this as well, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so that's it. Uh, Jacksonville shooting victim is suing EA and the venue where the tournament took place. And hopefully we'll have an update to that because I'd really like to see those numbers. And what I really hope is it doesn't turn into a class action lawsuit because that's frustrating because only the lawyers get money. At least someone who gets shot could pay for their medical bills uh, if they are able to sue EA and it all works out for them in that way. Uh, and then lastly, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, me at the Metallica concert on Sunday night. So two days ago, September 2nd, Madison, Mil uh, Madison, Wisconsin at the Cole Center, where they play like the Badger basketball games, uh, I went and saw Metallica. And uh, so, again, I'm always going to preface this. If you're not a Metallica fan, that's totally fine. I don't care. I don't want to hear it, okay? Like, if you don't like them, that's fine. I'll never tell you that you should. I'll never say you're bad or that you're not a music fan if you don't like them. But I love them. You know, they're my favorite band in the whole world. So don't take that away from me, right? Like, don't don't come at me with this, oh, Metallica sold out or, oh, Napster. Uh, like, that stupid shit. Like, just get it out of here. I don't want to hear it, okay? And if you don't like Metallica because of those things, no problem. But don't come to me talk about it because you came here to listen to me talk about it. So... Uh, and, and, and as you can tell, I'm a little defensive because this is a conversation I literally have to have with people all the time. Like, oh, hey, I'm going to see Metallica. 
oh, Metallica sucks. I'm like, okay, well, first of all, if you don't like Metallica, great. No problem. They don't suck. In fact, I have no problem arguing that those four people, especially when Cliff was still in the band early days, but the four people they have now arguably are four of the most talented people and together in one single band. You know, collectively, one of the most talented groups of people I think that's ever assembled and uh, and, and, and fine. So um this was also going to be a weird concert because they had no opening bands which i thought was okay i'm not a fan of opening bands personally i go to see the show i want to see and i'm always tricked because like the show starts at 7 30 so you get there at, like you know 6 37 you get there a little early and then all of a sudden at 7 30 this, this like crap band shows up and you listen to them and then a slightly less crap band shows up and you listen to them and then eventually it's like nine o'clock and they're like all right metallica's coming i'm like what the hell i've been standing here for three hours already like i'd rather just come here and listen to metallica um but that's not how it works. Uh, however, uh, when although when I did see them in Green Bay in 2004, something like that, uh, back when I saw them in uh, Green Bay, it was just Metallica and Godsmack. And I was like, oh, this is great. Like that, And that was a great show. Godsmack opened up, then went to Metallica. It was awesome. So this concert was a little bit different because apparently on this tour, on this tour, um, it was... Uh, the opener is Jim Brewer, the comedian, the guy who played the really, really stone stupid guy in Half Baked. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and so apparently he is. Let's see here. I'm switching over this. Just okay. So apparently he, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's opening for them. Um, uh, here, here was the thing on July 23rd. As many of you know, our good friend Jim Brewer has agreed to join the road madness and hang with us for the upcoming north american tour when he's not on stage before we play hosting the lighted up pre-show party uh jim's going to be out and about playing his own shows in your town what a great way okay so basically like they're coinciding with jim brewer he's gonna go like do stand-up comedy and then uh and then he's gonna do this pre-live show which i will get to in a minute um and so where to begin okay so the show starts at 7 30 around seven o'clock they start playing some video footage of jim brewer and i don't know who the other guy was but he had he had a he had like a crony with him <laughs> an underling like another comedian who's not known as well i guess and who's probably opening for him at his comedy shows and so that comedian uh, was with him and the two of them were walking up and down the streets of Madison asking people if they were Metallica fans. So it was like, they were like interviewing people and he's, and they would find three people and say, okay, I think we have two out of three of these people are Metallica fans. And they would ask him, they're like, we're all Metallica fans. Like, Oh, so close. And it's just whatever. They're walking around gibbering each other off. It's fine. And, and, and it's really kind of stupid and you're watching, but you're like, Hey, the show hasn't started yet. I'm just waiting. Now to be fair, uh, disclaimer here. First of all, it was the first show of the tour clearly there's going to be bugs and kinks to work out uh, i'm going to see them again in milwaukee in about a month so when that happens like you know it is it could be much better and i will happily do a follow-up to that um however it was not good and so he comes out on stage and he starts talking i'm like okay it's jim brewer and he's like he starts doing, you know, the thing where he does a actually does a really, really good Lars impression. <laughs> like, it's really good. And, he, and uh, so he comes out and he's like, oh, I was talking to Lars backstage. And, ooh, 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 and he does the Lars impression. And it's funny. And that's okay. And then they're like, okay. And then they get a t-shirt guy. And they're like, we're going to shoot some t-shirts up in the stands. And, and like, at this point, the venue, if I had to guess, was like not even half full. 
Like, it was weird. Yeah, it was not even half full. And so, like, they're shooting t-shirts up, and then they make fun of the guy shooting the t-shirts. It's like, oh, this guy sucks. Ugh. And it was just really dumb. And then, uh, and then, and then they, they went, he went up into the stands to get, he was going to, like, do some sort of, like, again, this is part of the pre-show. He was going to do, like, some sort of game show. So he went up into the stands, like, way up high in the balcony, and he found three different people. He asked them some questions. If they got it right, then he brought them down on stage. And they're on stage again. This is before the band's out, obviously. And they're on stage. And then he starts asking them, like, questions. And it's like, you know, we're going to let the crowd decide who is the better answer. So then Jim Brewer's like, if they, if you like them, yell, rise. And, and, if, and if you don't like them, yell, die. And I'm like, first of all, if you're going to do that, you need to have two distinctly different words when you have a crowd of thousands of people shouting. Because rise and die are basically going to sound exactly the same, but I digress. So, we, you know, we're 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 at the show. Um, uh, you know, so he starts asking these really, you know, some of the questions were like, oh, what was the name of the lady who was on stage for every tour during the uh, Justice for All tour? And it was what was the basically what was the name of the lady Justice statue? You know, and I didn't. I, and I say this as like a fan of their music. I don't know every detail about them, right? So I didn't know what they were talking about. Um, and so it was basically the name of the statue and it had, she had a name and, and the one guy didn't get it right and someone else did or something. And so then it was, you know, they kept going to the crowd. Oh, do this. Oh, do that. And, and then, uh, so we were booing and everyone was booing and people were like yelling like brewer, get off the stage. Like it was really, it was really sad actually, because, uh, as a comedian, you don't want to hear like boos and jeers and he got a bunch. And so anyway, um, yeah. You know, it was pretty, it was pretty terrible. And then finally the winner of that was actually a 17 year old kid. And I don't know if any of this stuff was pre-planned or not, but so the 17 year old kid wins, uh, and Jim Brewer actually takes him backstage to meet the band and they showed that on video. And that was really awesome. Like that was definitely something like if I, that was, that's a dream of mine, right? Like as a kid, uh, as a high schooler growing up listening to them. And then I was an adult, like if I was picked and I won a contest to go meet them. In fact, I considered doing like the meet the band package, but like, it's like 3000 or $4,000 or something. And you, and, and it says, you know, in very small print, you know, not guaranteed which members you'll get to meet. And it's like, well, come on, you know, like I, I want to meet James Hetfield. I want to meet him in my lifetime. So what I'd rather do is go out to San Francisco when he's playing like a charity show or something and just donate like $3,000 to charity to get, you know, to meet him. That, I'd rather do that. I'd rather do that. That makes more sense to me. Um, so anyway, so he got, he did get to meet the band and he got, to, Lars lets him play the drums, uh, for like seek and destroy. I mean, it was awesome. And they're just doing a quick little riff back there, you know, but I was just like, man, it was so cool. And, and I wish like, I, I was imagining myself like, man, I wish I was this kid. And it was the kid's first Metallica concert he ever been to. So it, it was cool, man. And good and good on him. Uh, so then they bring the kid back out and it's like, at this point, I think it's gotta be around cause the show started at like, I think seven ish. And then the band was supposed to come on at till eight 30, I guess. And, um, so it's like seven at this point, I think it's like eight 15 and he starts doing this thing where he's trying to get the crowd pumped up. And this actually was finally something that made sense. So there were the four, like, you know, it's an arena. So he like looked to one side, like North, South, East and West North was like, you know, you say, um, uh, exit light. And then South you say enter night. And then, you know, West you say, take my hand. And then East say off to never, never land. And it was like a coordinated crowd thing back and forth. It was cool, you know, and that was neat, you know, and then that, that's fine. That gets the crowd amped up. That gets ready to shout. Like that's how you work a crowd, right? I don't know what the other bullshit was that he was running for. Like, my God, he was, 
like Jim Brewer was on there for like an hour and the first 45 minutes was unbearable. So then, you know, eventually people are starting to turn on Jim Brewer because it's really dumb. <laughs> and, and so, you know, then he starts saying something like, are you ready for, the, are you ready for something to come out? Are you ready for Metallica to come out? And then, and then people are just like, boo, like they're booing him. And there's this point where Jim Brewer like walks off the stage, like fine, fine, they won't come out then. And he starts walking off the stage. We're all like, uh, okay. And then he walks back on. He's like, and then he does like the, are you, I'm last time. Do you want them out? And then obviously people cheer and he's like, all right, let's give it to the, let's give you the show. Here comes Metallica. Yeah. Woo. And then everyone's cheering and he gets off stage. Finally, <laughs> what, what felt like two hours was about f an hour and it was awful. Um, so Metallica comes out and before I talk about the show, I just want to say that like about halfway into the show, James goes, Hey everybody. So what'd you think of Jim Brewer? You know, thank you. You know, we want to thank Jim Brewer for coming out. And I kid you not, everybody in the crowd is going boo. <laughs> they were booing Jim Brewer after James Hetfield asked how he was. And then James just like very quickly, James is like, Oh, uh, all right, all right, all right. And then he like moves on to something else. It was so cringy. It was awesome. Um, and then also we got to see someone get, uh, taken out in handcuffs, which was really cool too. We don't know exactly what happened. But, uh, we saw a guy sitting there and I kid you not, like he was like, he was not moving. Like he had his arms crossed. Like, oh, I'm not moving. And then all of a sudden this cop puts him in like a chokehold and like lifts him up, choking him out. And then the other cop handcuffs him and then they dragged him out. <laughs> so I don't know what happened, but it was awesome. You don't get to see something like that very often. Uh, and then, uh, in front of us, like in front of me, we were, we were in this, the seating, um, because we had assigned seats. So we were like the fourth row back from the floor. Um, it was perfect. It was like eye level. It was awesome. Actually. It was probably the best seats I've ever had for a rock show where I wasn't like, uh, in the snake pit. And so there's this woman in the row in front of me and over like three seats to my right. And she has her hand around the chair that's essentially in front of me. And, uh, and like she has her hand around it. I'm trying to describe it as best I can in podcast form. She has her hand around it. And then she like has her, her hand, you know, like when you put your hand around like a chair and then you kind of, your hand kind of drops off the back a little bit and her pinky touched my leg. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever, not a big deal. And then she started like rubbing my leg with her pinky, like, like back and forth. And I was like, okay. And I really quickly like, oh, I moved my leg over. Not just because my beautiful wife is right next to me, but because like this woman, like, what are you, why are you touching me? Don't touch me. Ugh. Ugh, I don't, you're a stranger, stranger danger. Don't touch me. And, uh, so then she did that and, and, and I pulled away, like I, ugh, like I lurched away and she didn't even like flinch. <laughs> so it was so weird. And then right as the show is about to start, uh, the two seats next to Jenny on, on her right were still open. And then right as the show starts, these two girls come down and one of them looks like, okay. So imagine, Oh, how to, how to describe it. Imagine somebody wearing, like Supergirl's outfit with no cape instead had like a trench coat. And then imagine you took all the blue and removed it. <laughs> so she was wearing like black underwear with a black bra and then like a trench coat that had holes in it over it. It was really strange. Like, uh, you know, I don't know if she was hoping to, to get backstage or something, but it was, it was quite revealing outfit. Um, and so you just kind of look like, okay, we're just wearing, I'm wearing a t-shirt and jeans and James wearing a t-shirt and jeans. And then here comes like the, the, like the jewel encrusted bra and underwear trench coat wearing goth chicks. And you're like, all right, Hey, no problem. I'm not here to judge everybody. I'm just, it was great. Um, so then the concert itself was, uh, was fantastic. I mean, there were some audio issues. I think uh, James vocals were turned down a little too low. And, uh, so there were some songs where like, I couldn't even like 
they, they still have to work on their balance. Like some guitar riffs I couldn't hear, which were the main riffs of the song. Uh, and so there's certain parts where you're just like, what the hell song is it? Oh, and then you finally would catch it. Like, okay, cool. So that was a little weird. But again, first first leg of the tour, like it's going to happen. Um, it was it was a great show. Uh, the Cole Center has these TV. I think this is the Cole Center. Actually, it might even be part of Metallica's set. It's probably part of Metallica's set now that I think of it. But they have the stage. And then they had like these TVs that would raise and lower. And the TVs were like four-sided um, like LED pictures. Uh, like, like you, like they were just led screens you could put pictures on. And so depending on the song, they had different pictures rotating and flipping through. So it was really cool. And they would move up and down, which later I thought about how annoying it probably was for the people in the upper balcony, because most likely those people couldn't see when the TVs and stuff were coming down. So it must've really sucked for them. Uh, they played, uh, one of the songs they played was off the new album, a moth into the flame. And, uh, that, that song was really cool during that. They had like um, they had like, uh, remote controlled drones that replicated fireflies. It was really neat. So like this, the stage, these stage holes opened up and like these drones came out and they were, fl they had like lights that would go dim and bright, like a firefly would. And so they were kind of up and then they would fly in like a circle around the stage and then they would actually land back where they came from. It was super cool. It was like these programmed, um, drones, little mini drones, like, you know, the size of a baseball maybe. And they were super cool. Like that was just a really neat touch, you know? Uh, and like I said, they would fly up, they would fly a pattern and they'd fly back down all on their own. Like, I don't think they were controlled because they were all in unison together. It was really neat. Um, so yeah, so they, you know, they, they did a great show though. They, they opened up with, uh, hardwired to self-destruct and they went to Atlas rise, um, which is obviously just good back to back songs. And then, you know, they didn't play as much older stuff as I would have liked. Um, you know, they played enter Sandman, which is, I mean, you're, you're pretty much going to, uh, they played nothing else matters, which, uh, which was actually really nice to hear. That's one of my favorite songs. There's obviously it's a slow one. Um, but it, uh, it was cool to hear. I was not expecting that. And, uh, a f fun fact about that song. So when I was graduating high school, um, me and my friends, uh, we actually played the, like the, um, I don't know. I don't know what they call it, but there's like a part during the ceremony where like everyone takes like a, a rose or a flower to their family. And like, we'd all walk out to the stands during that. Um, we had picked what song we were going to play. It was nothing else matters, but we uh, lobbied for our band to play it. So in the very beginning, like the four of us, we took our flowers, gave them out to our family. And then we sat down and started playing nothing else matters while the rest of the students went down and gave their flowers away and stuff. So it was, uh, it was really cool. Um, and so like that song has a special place for me. And so in high school, like my band and I performed it. And, uh, if you didn't know I was in a band in high school, uh, I am not in a band anymore. I used to be a drummer. Uh, I can't really call that myself that anymore, but I still have my drum set and it's still in my garage, which I've been thinking about that. I think I'm going to donate that to a, like a local school. If anybody knows a, like a local music program that needs a drum set, I'd happily give it away for free. I want it to go to a good home. It's, it's a cheap Milwaukee five piece, but, um, it's got some Zildjian symbols. So it's, you know, it's not total shit. It's just kind of half shit. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so yeah, so, so that was, um, they played, uh, one song I really wanted to hear off the new album was now that we're dead. That's one of my favorite songs off the new album. And they, they did play that. I also wanted to hear Man Unkind, and they did not play that, those jerks. Uh, so I didn't get to hear every song I wanted to hear. Um, they did play For Whom the Bell Tolls. They didn't really go into any of their instrumentals. Uh, they did play a little bit. Uh, uh, Rob played the intro to Anesthesia, Pulling Teeth. So that was uh, that was cool, um, except I, I might be the only one who feels this way, but like 
Cliff Burton, if you don't know a lot about Metallica, Cliff Burton was essentially the original bassist. Like there was a different one, but he was the first one that like they went on tour with and made albums with. And so Cliff, uh, he died. And so they've, they've, after that they had Jason Newstead and he quit and then they hired Rob Trujillo who they have now. And so Cliff like is one who essentially came up with that solo and he did it so clean. And when I hear Rob do it, he's, you know, I just, it just felt so sloppy, you know, and it wasn't his, you know, he was replaying Cliff's solo, but it still just felt kind of sloppy. And I don't know. I, I just, I almost felt disrespectful to me. Like if you're going to do it, like do it clean and do it right, you know, but again, it's interpretation and it's how many years old now. So I don't want to get too high on my high horse here. Um, and I can't remember all the songs they played, but I was pretty, pretty happy. Um, nothing off of load, uh, which kind of disappointed me. I'd really love to hear like King nothing's a great live song. Uh, even something like ain't my bitch, you know, like something like that would be just great to hear. Um, uh, sometime, Oh, actually I shouldn't say that, uh, reload. They played, uh, they played fuel. Obviously that's a great, that's a great, um, live song, but I would have also liked to hear like, um, memory remains. That's one that you, uh, I've heard live before and they actually had us sing along since there's like the chorus where the, um, with the lady singing. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, I mean, all in all, it was a great show. I mean, it was worth every penny. Um, I signed up for something called the unforgiven package, which was our reserved seating, but we also got a poster and we got a little like collectible, uh, package, which had like uh, a bottle opener, um, and a bottle opener, a pin, and something else, but like three little metal things, you know, Metallica came in this collector box. It was, it was neat. You know, it was neat. Little trinkets, you know, nothing special, but it was cool. Uh, and then in there, Jen and I bought a, uh, each bought a shirt. And yeah. You know, you got to do it. Um, I was really disappointed. So I don't, I wonder if I can find the image here. Well, it won't matter because this part is not going to be on YouTube. It'll just be on the podcast. But one of the pictures they showed while we were waiting for the show to start, it showed like a, a, a cream and red like logo with Bucky like, like the Wisconsin kind of Bucky the Badger, you know, like with his chest out kind of walking, but they replaced his head with like a skull and it was like metal. It was like a Metallica version of the Bucky. It was freaking awesome. And I would have paid double a normal t-shirt for that shirt specifically. And it wasn't a shirt. It wasn't even a poster you could buy. It was, you could not purchase that image in any way. It was crazy. Uh, what a, what a missed opportunity. Cause that shirt was, was amazing. I would have bought that in a second. Um, and then let's see, uh, you know, so yeah, they did their thing, you know, they did their typical encore. Um, they, uh, they played seek and destroy, you know, you get along with that. It was good stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they still, um, they're still probably, and then not just cause they're my favorite, but they put on a rock show, man. And they, they, they know how to work the crowd. They, they know how to keep you entertained. They know how to switch it up and do things different. Uh, they did try a few things like uh, Kirk and Rob tried a new thing where they wanted to come out and play like a song from the local area. So they started playing uh, Garbage Stupid Girl because apparently they, they were formed in Madison, which I didn't know. But the problem with that song is it took a long time to get to the main riff. So everyone was kind of standing around like, what the hell is going on? Plus, they even admitted that they just practiced it like an hour before the show. So like, you know it sucked, you know, no problem. It sucked. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, they try to do something unique. They're, they're showmen, you know, um, James was sporting this, uh, this wicked, f um, handlebar mustache, which was just like, like Fu Man full coming. It was, it was hilarious. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was great. Um, Kirk just still shreds. Like his solos are unbelievable. Like I could just watch him like watching his hands when he does a solo is just incredible. 
Uh, and then, you know, James, I mean, his vocals were on and, and Rob, you know, he, he does a good job. I'm just not a fan of like his, his wackiness. Like when he does the bass spinning thing, I just don't get it. Like, I don't get what's so impressive about that. Like he has his guitar out and then he spins around causing the guitar, like to be fully extended around his arm. Like, so he's like, ah, he's like spins around like a, he- like a, like a helicopter, I guess. And, uh, it's just really stupid. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's really kind of dumb. And then, uh, obviously Lars is, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's not like the best drummer in the world, but the guy is fierce and he, uh, you know, like he attacks it and he gets really into it and there's not much more you can ask for. He also was sporting, a, a this wicked, uh, gray beard <laughs> for some reason. I don't know. It looked really dumb. Um, but yeah, it was a great show. So if you get a chance, Milwaukee's still coming up. I think there's still tickets available. Actually, Milwaukee's the middle of October. I think, uh, Oh, maybe I should look right here. How about, um, no, that's Jim Brewer's schedule. I don't care about that. Um, so yeah, so, uh, I think it's October 17th or 18th or something in Milwaukee. Go check them out. If you've never seen them live before, but you like their music, I, I have to highly recommend you go check them out. They are, uh, they are a treat. Um, especially if you like their music, if you don't like their music, I don't know. You know, Jenny, Jenny had listened to their music. She likes their music, but was never like a super fan or anything. And she enjoyed the concert a lot. She, you know, she said it was just really like, it was good and they worked the crowd good. And, and yeah, so she really had a good time. And, uh, you know, the concert went till like, I, well, and then of course, parking was a, a damn nightmare down there. So I didn't get home until I think like three in the morning or something from a concert that was supposed to start at seven 30 in Madison. <laughs> but that was what it was, but it was really good. So if, if you're a fan of the band, go see the show. If you're not a fan, seeing a live show is not going to change your mind, but it was, it was pretty awesome. And I'm glad I got to go. When I go to Milwaukee, I won't be in reserve seating. I will be in the snake pit. And I will tell you, I will be front row. Most of that show too. I will fight all the way to the front. Uh, oh, oh. And I also, I got, I got a pick. I finally got a pick. Uh, I got a pick from, uh, James, James was throwing out picks and I actually like one flicked and got right near me and it, it like hit me in the arm and then it went near Jenny's foot and I had to like dive onto this gross, dirty floor to like grab it away from, from, uh, somebody else. So, but I got it. <laughs> so I got it. Cocks. God, I got it, uh, from those, uh, jerks. Um, and then another one hit me in the arm, but I didn't find where that one went. So some other sucker got that one, which is fine. Um, but it's also not that big of a deal because literally at the end they have buckets that they just start throwing out. <laughs> They just start throwing out picks, so it's not like... I mean, they probably threw out a couple hundred picks, but hey, I got one, and it actually says Madison on the back. It makes me very, very happy, so um, that was really cool. So go check it out if you get a chance. It was fun. Uh, and then lastly, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about my game of the week, and this one I picked out is actually going to be a little different because this is a game that I wanted to talk about, but I can't necessarily recommend you buy or play. <laughs> so... Um, this is, I'm talking about X-Men for the original NES. So I've talked about other X-Men games before on the Genesis that are very good. I've talked about Super Nintendo X-Men games that are very good. And PlayStation 1 X-Men games that are very good. And here we have the NES version, which was published by Shocker LJN. And this game sucks something fierce. But as I was saying earlier when I talked about the Spider-Man stuff, I'm, I'm a big X-Men and Spider-Man fan. Like, when I see this logo, and I know you can't see it if you're on the pocket, you see this logo, like, this logo like is, like, my childhood, and I love it. Like, I see this this X-Men logo. It's the yellow with the, like, it's it looks like, you know, 3D blocked out logo, and it's, like, it's angled, and it's yellow front with the red. Uh, and it just looks awesome. And then on the cover, it's got comic book art. You've got Wolverine, Iceman, Cyclops, Colossus, Storm, and Nightcrawler all on the front. So you're like, this is awesome. And then the bo- the front of the box is meant to look kind of like a comic book. Like, this box screams awesome. And then you turn it over. 
And the first picture, you can't even tell what the hell it is, but you're like, okay, whatever. Second picture is Nightcrawler talking about his statistics, a little picture of Nightcrawler. And then the third picture is another picture you can't understand what the hell it is. This game sucks. And it's in my personal collection because I love X-Men and I love the art and I love this box and I love the logo. But this game is just terrible. And a lot of LJN games were terrible. This one I don't even think was an X-Men game. I think this was something else, like a prototype or something. And LJN's like, hey, we got the X-Men license. What do we got sitting in the vault of just crap-ass games that we can feed out? And someone's like, well, we got this crappy industrial level-based shooter that's really annoying. And you're like, okay, let's make it an X-Men game. Because, and I played this at like a friend's sixth, sixth birthday party. And I remember playing it. And as a six-year-old kid, I was like, what the hell is this crap? Um, maybe I was older than that. Maybe I was 10 or 12. Either. It doesn't matter. Either way, I was a child and as a child who enjoys most things, especially Nintendo related, this game sucked. And, uh, so imagine this, it's a top down game. So imagine, um, like the second level in super C, uh, or something like gorilla war or Akari warriors. Like you're walking up the screen. So you're walking up and there's just a whole bunch of shitty enemies. Like one of them looks like a, like a, a like the, a slinky going downstairs. Another one's just like a, a, a robot that doesn't have animations. He's just moving and just terrible. And then um, if you're Cyclops, you have beams. If you're Storm, you can shoot. If you're Wolverine or Colossus, you have to like punch things. And when you get close, then they hit you. And then you punch them. And then uh, it sucks. And it slows you down and you take damage. And then you have to basically get to the end of level and then look for like a hole in the ground. You go in that hole and then it takes you to another area. And I think one of the bosses is Juggernaut. I think. I think I remember getting to Juggernaut as a boss and him just whooping my, my butt. Uh, I don't... I, I can't even describe to you how bad this game is. It, it is... Not only is it terrible for the brand X-Men, it's just a terrible game in general. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just all, all kinds of piles of shit. Um, anyway, sorry, I've been, I'm using bad language a lot today. I don't know why. Um, sorry, if you're offended. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, that is all I want to talk about today. I just want to say, as always, I so much appreciate everybody listening and watching. If you're watching this on YouTube by some crazy chance and um, and uh, you and you want to listen to it in podcast form, you can go to the iTunes podcast app and just look for Game Talk Radio. That will find me here. Look for the little sprite wearing a Game Trade shirt. Uh, otherwise, if you're hearing this on uh, iTunes, uh, I also break up the podcast into video segments, and you can watch them with some more uh, some more uh, visual stimuli. And uh, you can watch that. Uh, all you have to do is go to YouTube.com/slash the drop rate, or you can just type in uh, drop rate in the search, or you can go to droprate.life, and that will take us there. In fact, uh, this probably won't be seen on much, but I'm wearing our first official drop rate T-shirt. Um, and uh, yeah, so we got one of those ordered, and it's pretty great. Um, they're not for sale yet, but if you want one, um, basically it's for everyone listening, it's the porn hub logo, except it says drop rate. <laughs> so it's pretty great. I'm actually really happy with how these turned out, man. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Um, but again, thank you everybody as always for listening and watching like subscribe, share, even, even, a, even a, a share, uh, through SoundCloud, if you're listening to it there or on iTunes, you know, just something to really, really appreciate and really help me out. Uh, thank you so much everybody for listening. Thank you for always watching. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>